Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. Hey, it is Larry Sharp here on W-Y-S-L-W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira Corning, The Patriot, and of course W-A-C-K, Newark, New York. I'm also the host of The Sharp Way Show. Please feel free to follow me on all the internet things on that, but here I'm here with you today on A Free Solution. Reach out to me today, 585-346-3000. Well, if you're in New York, it's probably snowing, or at least snow recently. We got a bunch of snow coming up here, right? And I'm in New York City and Queens. We got a little more than six inches, maybe six and a half, seven inches. Long Island didn't get as bad, but we got some downstate. I know upstate got a, a bigger whack in general. Why do we care? There are several reasons why we care. But I think one of the most important ones is school. Really. What happened to snow days? Are there no more snow days in New York anymore? Or maybe across the country, for those of you who had snow days. Probably not too many in Alabama, Mississippi, I would assume. But in New York, that was a thing, right? We used to take five days or so out of our schedule to assume we'd have snow days. And if we didn't have those snow days, we would have a, a longer winter break or spring break or something like that because of these extra five days that we didn't use that were set aside for snow days. And the kids would be all happy. We'd go out and play and do crazy things outside. That's not going to happen now. Here in New York City, at least. I know some areas have not done that, but in New York City, it's a regular day now for us. So it's snowing. Well, we're just going to do school from home now. The response to COVID has changed how we do snow days now. They might say, so what? It's good. Let those kids work, right? They're in school. Learn something. Uh, I, I get that. But I also get the point that we've had a lot of changes in our kids' lifestyle, in our lifestyle. And something like a snow day, as silly as it may sound, it is two things. One something to look forward to. And when people feel bad and feel sad, something to look forward to really matters. In fact, it's magnified because of how sad or down you might be. And you know that. You might go on vacation every year or whatever is the thing you do. And if you're having a good year, your vacation's nice. And yeah, okay, we're having a good year. We'll have a vacation. That'll be nice. But if you're having a tough year, that vacation almost becomes magical to you because the rest of the year was a tough year for you. So you look forward so much to that vacation because the year's been tough. Well, for many of us, kids and parents included, the year's been tough. Would have been nice to have a snow to look forward to just to make the kids feel better. But something else. And again, if you have kids, and I have two of them, if they're spending all their time at home learning now, the shift was quick for most of us. And my kids hardly go out anymore. Like, I don't know if they get sun anymore. 
It's hard. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know what I'm saying. And if you have kids in school, you know that. School was a reason for them to go outside, to go see their friends, to go play in the playground or the park or whatever is the thing that, you know, your kids would do. They wouldn't just be in front of screens all day, right? Which, of course, kids still like to be in front of screens. They play video games or, you know, they're on their phones or whatever is the thing. But now they're just on screens. And the snow day, well, let's not have a snow day. It's almost as if it doesn't matter what the weather is outside anymore. You might think I'm exaggerating a little bit on this, but I don't think so. It's almost like the weather doesn't matter to our kids. It's almost like it doesn't matter to us in a way. For those of you who've been stuck working from home, it doesn't really matter much for you. Oh, it's snowing outside? Okay. Oh, it's sunny outside? Okay. Particularly if you live in a city. You live in Rochester. You live in Buffalo. Me, you live in New York City. If we're doing work from home, whatever. It's raining. Okay. Snowing? Okay. Oh, is the sun out? Is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Whatever. That can't be healthy for us, can it? It can't be healthy for us and our kids. And I know snow days is a small thing. But I'm pointing at it because I really think it is an indicator of something a whole lot bigger. It's almost like we're saying goodbye to the old ways. And now we have the new ways. And not that I'm against new ways. I'm not. I am all about changing school. I, you, If you pay attention to me, you know I'm all about that. But I'm not all about just making things worse and not changing the system itself. I'm not all about just shoving kids from... We shove them in a big building X miles away, and now we're shoving them in a small room in your house now. I'm not sure either of those is the right answer. But the one advantage, and you know I am an optimist, guilty as charged, there may be one good thing about this. Because if I'm thinking this, and some of you are going, ah, Larry, you're going too far. And some of you are like, no, Larry, you are right on the money on this one. People are thinking about it. And I can hope that this year, this snow, this worry and fear about the students and the teachers will actually be a turning point, a tipping point to make real school change. Because particularly if you're in New York State, I know some of you listening aren't, but for those of you in New York State, you know our school system's broken. And it isn't because the teachers don't care or teachers care. It isn't that. They're part of a crappy system too. This system isn't working for them. It's not working for us. It's working for our elites. Yeah, it is. It's working for them. Because the funny thing is, is all the people who spend their time complaining, trying to fix things, telling us how we have to adapt, telling us how we have to change, telling us all the things that we have to do, they're in the same administrative building that they've been in. They haven't missed the paycheck. They haven't been affected badly at all, relatively. Teachers have. Students have. Parents have. Administrators? Eh, not so much. And they're the ones who are making decisions and saying, stop complaining. Why are you mad at me? Take your kid at home. We're here to educate your kids. Or are you here to just pacify our kids until they're 18 or 16 or 17, but usually 18. 
or even 90 in certain areas, of course. Is that what you're here for? Remember, they haven't missed a paycheck. They, their, their world hasn't changed that much, but ours has. It's time for us to say, you know what? I want real change. I want to shift the way we pay for school. I want to shift the way we do school. I want to shift the way we measure school. I want to shift everything now. If you're going to make it so that I have to change my entire lifestyle, work harder, sacrifice my kids, get paid less for it because of the lockdowns, I want some change then. If I got to pay this price, I want value for my price. If I'm going to pay this, give me what I want. I think we haven't done that. Some of you remember what I talked about in 2018 was a way of changing school from K through 12 to K through 10. But I'm not going to talk about that right now. I'm going to talk about something that makes a whole lot more sense to me. And that is how do we pay for this and how do we allow local people to have schools the way they want it. That's what we should be doing. Supporting not just local schools, but private schools and homeschool. All of them. We can do that next year with our new budget. All right. Some of you remember. I'm going to bring it up now. It's something crazy. Cryptocurrency. I'm not joking. For some of you may may or may not know, Bitcoin, the most popular of all of them, broke $20,000. Was it yesterday for yesterday? $20,000 for one Bitcoin. If you invested in Bitcoin at 100 bucks, oh my God, you'd be a happy camper right now. Most of us haven't, but some people did. Cryptocurrency is here to stay. The question is, who's going to be using it? When are we going to be using it? How are we going to be using it? I have an idea. Why don't we use it to pay for our education? We have a massive budget hole. Massive. And all our leaders can do is give themselves raises and raise taxes and hammer us more. Or, or, you could create a New York coin, e-coin, just to pay for education. Yes, just to pay for education. The $60 billion dollars that our education costs us, $6 billion comes from the federal government, 54 left. And with my plan, it cuts it down to about $48 billion. Write that check out in eCoin. That comes off of our budget. We've just solved our budget problem right then and there. People purchase and buy things for education system based on eCoin. But here's the best part. We make it local. You get to pick how you spend that money, where you spend that money. Yeah. Imagine that Christmas present for your school district. We can fix it. How? I'll tell you after the break. Larry Sharp here on Our Free Solution. Give me a call, 585-346-3000. Back after the break. A free solution. Show me the money. That is what I'm saying. Show me the money. I'm I am totally with you. Larry Sharp here on a free solution. W-Y-S-L-W-E-N-Y-E-N-I-L my recording, the Patriot. And of course, W-A-C-K in Newark, New York, 585-346-3000 to reach out to me. And look, 
I was talking about paying for it, about showing the money. And what I'm saying here is, imagine if we decided, right now we drop about $23,000 per, per student per year in New York State education. That's a lot of money. That's one of the top, if not the top, and we rank 37th. Not a good investment. And when His Majesty King Andrew Cuomo II, all hail the king, was asked about this, his response was, oh, well, you know, the local administrators, they didn't spend the money right. Of course, 10 years he's been doing this, they still haven't spent the money right. He hasn't corrected them because, of course, he knows better. But blame someone else. That's the norm. So my point is, how about instead we look at every school district and instead of dropping 23000 we know that with my plan, it drops it by about 20%, give or take. So we go to, say, $18,000 as an example, just for the sake of argument. Whatever number of kids you have in your district, you get $18,000 in New York education coin for each kid. Good luck. Take it. There's your money. Well, Larry, who's going to take this e-coin? Every company that wants to sell books or desks or chairs or uh, e-commerce solutions or whatever they want, they'll take it. And then you allow New York State banks to transfer it back into dollars and they take a fee. What do banks love? Transactions that cost them nothing. And when they get a fee, that's one of their favorite things. They will happily take it, made a transaction, and all of a sudden now, those regular dollars go back into the economy, but it came out of our budget. And it's just for education. Teachers still get paid in dollars. And all of a sudden now, the school can now pay for its goods and services how they see fit. What did I just do? I just said, just take the money based on the number of kids in your district. By default, I just created school choice. It allows you to go whatever district you want to. You decide. Because kids will want to go to certain schools. Parents will want to go to certain schools. And the school districts will want you to bring more kids to your school. Because if you bring more kids to school, you get more money. But Larry, what if they're bad schools? Will they still get money? You get money based on how many kids you have, period. If no one wants to go to your school because your school's bad, you won't get more money. If more kids go to your school, you'll get more money. How do you draw more money to your school? By drawing more kids. How do you draw more kids? By being a better school. Hmm. Crazy how that works. Crazy how that works. But I'll add one more spot. If you don't want to put your kid in that school, no worries. You get a credit in New York eCoin for $4,000. $4,000 a year. Guess how much private school will cost? $4,000 a year. Of course it will. Because that's the stipend. So of course it will cost. Of course it will. So now you have an option of putting your kid in the private school if you want to. Not too shabby. I have a lot more school choice. But that also goes if you decide to homeschool your kid. You can use that same credit to purchase your homeschooling supplies. So you can now homeschool your kid if you want to. Hmm. Now you have an option. Homeschool, private school, or send to public school. No increase in your taxes. But you can go to any one of those. Whichever one you think is best. Will you have better schools? Of course! We have teachers who will go back and forth and swap between private and public? Or even doing their own stuff at home? Will some homeschools become private schools? Yes! Absolutely! You will watch our entire system change. And here's the best part. Because of the COVID response, we've all been battered. Once you make this happen, there's no need for school tax. The average New Yorker is going to drop their property tax by about half. Imagine you drop your property tax by half. 
You might not want to leave the state anymore. You might want to stay in and see if you can survive. Rents, by default, at least stabilize and maybe drop because the mortgages are lower because of the tax rate. All those things change with one big change to our school system. And we can do it. It's possible. Is it scary? Yeah. Yeah. Is it new? Yeah. Of course it is. But now's the time. Because what you keep seeing is people just trying to put a Band-Aid on top of Band-Aid on top of Band-Aid. Meanwhile, we suffer and they keep getting money. I want to repeat, most of the people who are deciding whether you get shut down, whether your kids go to school or not, how you survive, and how they're going to raise taxes is by people who haven't missed a paycheck. And I go one step further. People who are actually getting raises. So as we suffer, they get raises. And we keep them in charge. Remember His Majesty King Andrew uh, Cuomo II? Oh, hello, King. He got $26,000 raise this year. Voted him in. Because what a good job he's doing. Oh, my God. Totally worth it. As we suffer, and as the average person takes in less and less money, less tips, less work, less money, less opportunity, people having to stay home because of their kids or because they're afraid because of their elderly parents, and he gets a $26,000 raise. Ah, not just that, though. You might think, well, you know, it's just him. That's all there is. No, it's more. It's local, too. I just saw the town supervisor for Avon, where, right by where the station is in Livingston County, is getting uh, another raise himself, and so's the entire uh, so's the entire council, because I guess they've done an amazing job too. But let's say they have. Uh, to be clear, I don't know these specific people very well, and perhaps they've done an amazing job. Maybe they have. So let's say the town supervisor has done a great job. Okay. Are you telling me no one else in this state's done a great job when they got fired? When they're getting, you know, a dollar in tip when he used to get four dollars in tips? They haven't done a good job too? But not just that. You represent us. We pay your salary. When that server, when that worker, when that driver gets less of a tip or more of a tip, the individual person is deciding what to do on their own. They're deciding whether they should tip them or not or whatever. But you, Mr. Town Supervisor, Mr. Governor, you just take our money. We don't even decide. So why should you get paid? What I hear all the time is people say, well, Larry, you understand, it's the rules, it's the law, it's the union, they have to. If you can mandate shutting my house or business down, you can mandate they don't get a raise. Done. Drives me crazy. Let me grab a call. John, how are you, brother? Hey, Larry, I'm doing great. But I like I like the methodology you're using for the school uh, school funding. It, it makes a lot of sense. But I got to tell you, I, no, over a period of the last 10 years, I've, I've done a couple studies on uh, uh, competitiveness between uh, some of the uh, southern and uh, southern states and uh, yeah. upstate New York, as far as uh, school burdens on tax taxes, and yeah. I found I found this just to summarize it quickly. I I took uh, areas I thought would be fairly similar to Rochester, New York, or Buffalo, New York, 
Okay. And I compared them to Richmond, Virginia, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. and Charlotte, North Carolina. And what I found was this, that the uh, just part of the study indicated that uh, that the real estate taxes were uh, I were uh, seven, uh, 75 to 100 uh, percent higher in these in, in upstate New York regions compared to those three markets I just mentioned. Yep. Yet the uh, uh, performance on SATs, ACTs, and uh, high school graduation rates weren't that much different. It was surprising that yeah. for all the uh, high, high costs of education here in New York, the uh, actual results of SATs, high school graduation, ACTs, weren't that much different. It was amazing. I, I, I get that. The only city I think might not be a good comparison might be Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte's much more of a hub. And what, Charlotte's got, what, almost 800,000 people in the give or take? Uh, and yeah, yeah, the, the Rochester metropolitan area is about 1.2 million, and I think uh, Buffalo is a little bit, a little bit larger. But you're right on Charlotte. But Birmingham and I think Richmond. Richmond, yeah, that's that's right in line. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes sense a lot. I get but, that. Now I'm with you. I, I think the 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 issue here isn't the amount of money you spend. I think the issue here is the environment that both the teachers and the kids are in. If you look at what's happening in most parts of New York State where people are leaving the teaching field, it's because of administrators and because of rules and regulations not being allowed to teach. Larry, uh, if I could hang on uh, after the break. Stay on to the break, John. Let me get out of this. Uh, Stay on to the break. I'll talk to you after. Larry Sharp going to be on with John after the break here on A Free Solution. I will see you, hear you after the break. Free solution. We'd like a ticket to the North Pole, please. North Pole? Oh, yes, ma'am. Route you by the way of Saskatchewan, Hudson Bay, Nome, Alaska, the Klondike and Aurora Borealis. There'll be $3,000.04, including tax. Oh, but we don't have any money. No money! No money! No ticket! Look at that! It was 3000 bucks, and they were taxing, heading to the North Pole. Santa Claus gotta pay tax! You know why? Because it went through Hudson Valley. It went through New York State. King Andrew had to get his cut. That's the problem right there. Man, they're taxing Santa Claus. Larry Sharp here! A free solution! W-Y-S-L-W-E-N-Y... E-N-I am my recording, The Patriot, and W-A-C-K, New, uh, A-C-K Newark, New York, 585-346-3000. Before the break, we were talking with John about school and the environment that we want our kids and teachers to be in. John, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here, Larry. Thanks for holding on to the break, brother. Go. I, I was talking about the idea of if we change the environment... That's how we get better schooling and better results. You know, once you have X amount of dollars, whatever those dollars are, 
more money isn't going to necessarily make it better. And I think that was your point. Right. And, and what they're doing today isn't working. And I, I'll tell you, over, over a period of the last 10, 15 years, I've gone to a lot of school board meetings in my town and even in the city here. I, I have an office building here in the city, Rochester. But, but, uh, and I'll tell you, it's, it's surprising when I go to these budget, budget hearings, uh, I'm, I'm the only one that's speaking out against the budget being too high. Mm. Most, most of the people are saying it's too low. Yes. And uh, I, I really get the feeling from the board members, uh, school board members, when I address the board, they really like me because I'm the only guy that has any diversity in their opinions. Well, you, you, you know, you go by John the Optimist. Is that right? That's, that's correct. So, Mr. Optimist, I mean, you, you, you've got to then, do you have some good thing about this? I mean, you, you understand the reason why people want to spend more money it's because it feels good. It feels like I'm doing something, right? I care. I'm giving more money to schools. Clearly, I care, and it feels good. But if it's not working, John, what, what makes you optimistic? What can we do? Well, uh, I, I, th- I think we got to. I, I think there's a couple things we can do. Number one, go to school board meetings. Go to uh, other. Bu- I've gone to county uh, budget meetings, etc., and voice the, the same opinion. I like uh, that idea. And also, also, the media. The media in New York State uh, is so biased. It's unbelievable. Oh, Demo- yeah. Democrat and Chronicle is uh, – lo- the local reporters are very biased. And, of course, the national reporters are, too. You got USA Today is their prime – and the Associated Press is their yeah. primary national people. And Buffalo News, as an example. Buffalo News. Now, their local reporters are a little, a little less biased, I have to say. But, you, but you've just hit a valid point here, right? You just said the local reporter is a little less biased. And this is why I think my idea of allowing each district to have its own money would mean that if you want something different in your school, you got to show up. It's exactly what you talk about. I think this encourages people to say, wait a minute, why is a district across the way? Why do they have, for example, civics classes? And we don't. I want civics classes. I'm heading over there. And then what if you find a couple school uh, people who go, wait a minute, you know, this is just, this isn't working. We're going to start our own school and take our $4,000 credit and do that. It would change everything. I think it would have more people being involved. As long as one thing is true, as long as you're in the district, whether you go to private school or public school or homeschool, you're still able to use the district facilities, like you can still be on the football team if you want to, you can still go to the, the library if you want to, all those things. I think you have more people get together and actually try to change it. My gut tells me there'll actually be less private schools and less homeschooling because they'll actually fix their public school. That's what I think. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Buff- in Buffalo, the local reporters there, I think, are a little less biased and a little fairer than in the Rochester locals. But Buffalo has, and their national, their national uh, reporters are the New York Times and the Washington Post, so I don't have yeah. to tell you about that. But, you know, it's ironic. Carl Palladino, as you know, ran for governor in 2010. Absolutely, Carl Palladino no had been on the school board in Buffalo and really was kicking some butt. But mm. you know what they did? They threw him off the board. <laughs> How dare you make good impact? Seriously. Get out of here. What's they wrong threw with you? off the board. It, it took 
five months for them to get them off the board. They had to go through all this bureaucracy and hearings and whatever, and a judge ended up making the determine not a judge, it was the uh, commissioner of, uh, of uh, the New York Education Department that made the final determination, there who happened go. to be from Niagara Falls, New York. So uh, anyway. I appreciate uh, the, the call, John, and I appreciate all the feedback and I get what you're saying. I do think local and us being more involved is important. The problem that I see is, as you've seen, a lot of people, when they try to become active, the system's against them so much they begin to feel like, why bother? Let, 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 let me just add one more thing. Uh, one of the, the reason I brought that up was I actually communicate with reporters. When I read a story that I think they're, they're biased on, I will send them an email in constructive criticism and I've, I've, I've done this, I'm dealing with maybe 30 to 40 different reporters locally and nationally. I think that will, that can get the message across. So that's what I think we need a whole lot more John the Optimist. I think yeah. we, we don't have enough of you. That's right. All right. We'll Listen up, up, guys. Man. Pay attention to John. We need more like you, more like John. Let's get those emails going. I appreciate it. John, thanks so much for the call. I don't All have right, a guys, lot of friends uh, in the media. I appreciate that. All right, guys, I think John's right. I think we should be paying more attention if we can. I agree. I want to change a little bit, a shift. It's similar, but a a shift. And that is to the restaurant industry. Schools are important to us, absolutely, no doubt. But so are restaurants, for more reasons than someone may think. I know I focused on snow days as I began the program today about an idea or concept that I think is in indicative of something bigger. I think restaurants are too. And the reason why I say it is several fold. For many people, New York is of course, but many people, restaurant jobs are very often one of our first jobs. One of the first things we do, some type of server. It's a common job that people have taken and we know what that's like. It's often a way that we get ourselves into the workforce, number one. But number two, it's also a very common entrepreneurial launch that people make. It's their first step into self-ownership, their first step into taking charge of their life. It's a passion or a love. It's also something that gets passed down between families. And I'll add one more spot. Many of our best memories, friends, family, glory, pain, everything in between, many times it's over breaking bread at some local restaurant or diner or, or pub or something like that. Many times our celebrations are in restaurants or pubs or diners or something like that. That local place, that locally owned place is a big part of many people's lives. And with the government response to COVID, that's being destroyed. Those first jobs, those entre- that entrepreneurial spirit, those family businesses that get passed down from father to daughter to son to daughter, keeps going down the, the, the list and all those spots where we could go out and have that joy, right? The snow day for the kid might be just as important, you know, for adults when it's not the snow day, but it's the date night with your husband or wife or your spouse or whatever it may be, your boyfriend or girlfriend, probably not your husband and boyfriend, probably a problem, but you know, one of them at least, right? So in any case that that's, what makes us happy. That's what gives us something to look forward to. This is, these are the things that it is to be human. 
We spend so much time saying, Larry, this is about life and death. I hear it all the time. People could die. Yeah, but don't we want to live? And I mean live in the way that we decide what makes us happy. I don't just want my kids to learn. Of course I do. I also want them to be happy. And learning a bunch of stuff but hating your life is not a good life. Learn a bunch of stuff and be happy. Surviving and not dying of COVID, that's a good thing. How about let's do that and let's have a life that we that's worth living. And the person who decides whether your life is worth living or not isn't his majesty Governor Cuomo II, oh, hail the king. It's you and those who love you and those you love. That's who decides. Nobody else. That's all that matters when it comes to you, your kids having a snow day or you having a date night or your restaurant staying open or you having your first job or you trying to teach your kids how the value of a dollar or the value of a workday. And what's happening now is it's all falling apart. 54% of restaurants in New York City are gone for good. 24% of restaurants in all of New Jersey are gone for good. I don't even know what the numbers are across New York State. This is not a good thing. But I gave you an answer for the school thing. I might have one for restaurants too. Let me know. 585-346-3000. Larry Sharp, host of The Sharp Way. Follow me on all the internet things on a free solution right now. I'll see you after the break. A free solution. I get the economic hardship. Everybody gets it. Everybody feels it. You want to go to work? Go take a job as an essential worker. Do it tomorrow. No, there are people hiring. You can get a job as an essential worker. So now you can go to work and you're not going to kill anyone. Yeah, just go get a job. That's our Lord and Master himself, King Andrew Cuomo II. Oh, hello, King. That's him telling you, oh, you're in trouble? Just go get a job as a worker. Now you can get a job and you won't kill anybody because if you don't do that, you're a murderer. Boy, there's no exaggeration there, is there? This is our glorious king, dear leader himself. Yeah, um, I don't think that's a good idea. But who am I? I'm just Larry Sharp, host of The Sharp Way, uh, here on WYSL, W-E-N-Y slash E-N-I and Elmira Corning, The Patriot! The coolest of all of the cool, and W-A-C-K in Newark, New York, not New Jersey. Before the break, I was talking about the idea of how restaurants are suffering and how it's affecting our families. This is the piece that I think some people actually just aren't getting. It's, I get why they're trying to do what they're doing with the schools. It's wrong and, and bad, but I get it. At least I understand it, right? I, I, I can have a conversation at least. The restaurant thing to me is insane. And for those of you who are paying attention, these are numbers coming from His Majesty himself. The, the infection rate in restaurants is 1.4%. Less than the state. The state itself is about 5 to 7%. Restaurants, one4 So we're shutting down restaurants. The biggest place where people are getting COVID right now is in their homes. So we're going to keep us in our homes. Not just that. 
just today in New York City, they said, you know what? We were kidding. If you want to have outdoor eating, you can now. We just had six inches of snow. Now, come on outside. I know it's 20 degrees out and it's snowing. Go eat. Now we can do that. Day before, no. Last, earlier this week, no. Oh, now that we've had a snowstorm, go ahead. Perfect. Now, if you do go outside and eat and you create an enclosed area, you're going to create an enclosed area outside with heaters. That's basically indoors. Why are we outdoors? This makes no sense at all. We are destroying restaurants. And the worst part is, if a restaurant went under, or many of them went under, because they had made bad decisions, or they were bad owners, or they had hurt somebody, insert reason here. While that restaurant owner is still hurt and, and bothered and, and upset, of course, if it's, if it's your restaurant, you don't feel cheated. You don't feel like it's unfair. You don't feel betrayed. These restaurant owners feel betrayed by their own government. They feel betrayed by their own communities. Man, that's got to hurt. Man, that's got to put a scar on the psyche of the community. And I don't want that. So what can we do? What can we do? Look, I, I, I'm going to tell you, as I always do, there's a way. And the way we deal with this is the bailouts are coming. And we know they are. They're talking about them right now, right? They're going to give us, you know, whatever, 1200 bucks or 600 bucks or whatever is the amount of money they're going to give us. Here's some money. Great. Good to go. And uh, we're going to extend your unemployment benefits for X number of weeks or months. Here you go. And we're going to hope when Uncle Joe Biden comes in, Uncle Joe's going to write New York State a big check and save everybody. That's the plan right now. Look, if you're saying, Larry, you got to do something, we need a Band-Aid, I'll actually buy that. Okay, there's a Band-Aid. Where's the growth? Where's the future? Once Uncle Joe writes us the check and, and you know puts the Band-Aid on, all right, fine. You know, as a libertarian, I hate that idea. But I get it. I'm not living under a rock. I get what happens. So he writes us a nice big check. Okay, great. He funds our government. So all the all the people who haven't missed a paycheck yet still don't miss paychecks. Good for them, I guess. All those who get raises get their raises funded. Good for them, I guess. But how about the rest of us? Where's our future? We get a couple hundred bucks, which we now pay off our rent to our landlords, and all of a sudden they make more money. The people who are buying get more, right? Listen to the commercials we hear everywhere on TV, radio, everywhere. Throw about things like get rid of timeshares, sell your life insurance, debt consolidation, new loans. Why? Because they know the middle class and working poor are in trouble and are selling their assets or going to debt to pay their bills to the elites. That's happening now. And that's not because I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican or I'm a Libertarian, because that's how our system currently works with the Federal Reserve. That's how it works. And that's what happens every 10 years or so. 2001, uh, the, the, dot com, the dot com bubble. 2009 real estate bubble, and now the COVID-19 debt bubble. All those things are popping now. So how do we deal with that? We're going to bail out the elite banks anyway. I know some of you are ready to scream at me. I'm just being realistic. We always do. We're going to do it again. So here's how you put together a real restaurant package. What they're going to say is, we're going to give some loans to small businesses and we're going to make it impossible to jump through hoops and all kind of stuff. Most restaurants won't get enough. They won't get it in time. They'll owe money. It'll be a disaster. That's how the last one worked. I'm saying don't do that. Don't. Just say, 
if you're a restaurant. And you can, you know, just by prove that by the, the documents you put together already to start your business, right? You're, you are that. We're going to forgive your loans for six months. That's it. The government's going to forgive your loans for six months. Everything. All your loans forgiven from any financial institution for six months. And the government will just directly pay that financial institution and make them whole for six months. Now you're not paying bills for six months. Now, stop shutting them down and give them six months to reboot themselves. That's it. No check going to them. No giving them extra this or extra that. Not deciding to fill out paperwork and seeing if they survive for it. No. Don't pay your bills for six months. We got you. Go rebuild. There's your future. Now you'll start rebuilding. You'll start paying taxes again. And you can pay the money back to the government when the time comes through taxation, which you're going to pay for anyway. That's how we make this work. Instead of having the government try to control every single thing, instead change the environment. It's what John and I were talking about 20 minutes ago. Change the environment so that people will act better. Change the environment so some people will explode and be great and some will still fail. And I get it. Some restaurants will still fail. I wish they could all survive, but some were going to fail no matter what. But if we give them a chance, many won't. And people who failed at restaurant one can now go to restaurant two or restaurant three. What if they don't want to be in the restaurant business anymore? No worries. We've just forgiven their loans for six months. You can go do something else. You have a chance to reboot your life. Pack up and move. Change jobs. Change your restaurant from a, you know, a, a sit-down place to a takeout joint. From a burger joint to a sushi joint. Whatever is the thing that works in your world. The one thing you hear from me again and again and again. And I'm going to keep saying it because I'm right. Governments should not be controlling people. It should only be creating the best environment possible so that we, as Americans, will have the best chance at life, liberty, and our pursuit of happiness. We've thrown all this away for safety theater, for security theater, for a false idea that we're somehow safer or better off with King Andrew or Uncle Joe solving all our problems and they're not life liberty pursuit of happiness i'm not gonna stop saying it and if you want to see more and see more of me roasting his majesty king andrew please follow me on my youtube page the sharp way check that out tuesdays with andy that's me larry sharp host of the sharp way today i'm on the free solution and i will see you all next week